Hey guys, Nick from Command Edit Podcast right here, and this is the only time you're going to hear my voice for the duration of this episode. I know, you're heartbroken, but here's what happened. The gist of it is, uh, I just wasn't able to uh, score some time this week to sit down with Josh over Skype and record the episode, but... Good thing is, Josh being the uh, stellar guy that he is, he went ahead and booked an interview with our first guest for uh, Command Edit Podcast. So uh, he managed to get into contact with one of our listeners, uh, an editor up in Toronto, my neck of the woods, Rhonda Thane, and interviewed her about her experiences editing and uh, what it's been like, uh, what's, what type of work uh, she does, and uh, as well what uh, words of advice that she has for uh, people who are trying to break into the industry. So, with no further ado, here is Rhonda Thane. Uh, welcome to another Command Edit podcast. Uh, we have a special episode tonight. Uh, Nick bailed on recording with me after I bailed on recording with him about three other times this week. So uh, uh, I have a listener and fellow editor, Rhonda Thane. Uh, she is joining us. She is an editor in Toronto, and we're going to talk about uh, what she does and uh, just talk about editing uh and get to know Rhonda a bit so Rhonda thank you for joining the command edit podcast no problem keeping your 50 percent Canadian quota intact I know I can apparently I can only ever talk to people from Canada why would you want to talk to editors from anywhere else Uh, I I mean I I don't know uh I don't know uh that many other ones uh that aren't in Canada apparently yeah well I, I think 50% of Canadians are editors. It's just what we do up here. Well, 100% of Canadians are editors uh, to me. <laughs> Perfect. That's not a bad... Uh, that seems like a lot of competition for me, though. Yeah, so you are in Toronto, right? Yes. yes. Um, is that is that home for you? Like, is that where you've always been? Yeah, I grew up just outside of the city. And uh, after film school, moved downtown got uh, started going in television about six years ago. So Toronto's my home base. I do all of my work here, uh, travel to various offices around the city. So I try and stay somewhat central because we're moving about all the time. So are you a freelancer? I am a freelancer. I'm currently an in-house editor for Scott Brothers Entertainment, which is new for me. Uh, We do a bunch of broadcast shows as well. We do a couple of digital shows, which is kind of neat. They're digital with a budget, so we actually get it all color corrected and mixed, and it just, instead of airing on TV, it airs on the internet. So we do that. We do a bunch of development stuff, so I work with sizzle reels and promo reels and trying to get a couple of new shows off the ground, so it's sort of a mixed bag, which is really fun in the way that I get to stretch my legs creatively for a change rather than, you know, just 
you know, adhering to, you have to make your show exactly this length to the frame and all of your commercial breaks must be exactly this long. So it's kind of nice to uh, get a little bit of freedom. So uh, what is your typical work week like? And maybe we'll get into what your typical day is like as well. Uh, Typical work week. There isn't really a typical work week. It depends on all the projects that we have going on. So right now, we just shot a new digital series at the beginning of November. So once we got that ingested and we don't have an assistant editor, so it's all... It's all Team Rhonda. Uh, bring it into the system, do all the organization, and uh, you know, start cutting away. The because we have so many projects on the go, oftentimes we'll get notes for another project while I'm trying to do some assemblies or rough cuts. So we'll have to step away from the show that I'm currently working on and get into brand new headspace and go back to some older projects. You know, we've got some projects on the shelf right now that I was working on in September that we'll have to get back around to once our plate is is cleared in November. So typical work week, not very typical. So it involves a lot of multitasking and trying to be flexible in terms of, uh, you know, concentration and what you're working on. Mm-hmm. So what are your uh what are the primary software that you use day to day? We're all Media Composer. Uh, I started out on Final Cut, I don't know, whatever it was, five or six at the time. And then I guess a couple of years ago, made the switch over to Avid. So I've done, I've done both, but in-house we're currently, we're currently an Avid facility. A little Did bit you- after effects, but... Did you make the switch just because or for an opportunity? Um, a little bit of both. I started assisting in Final Cut, and everybody that I worked with at that job said, if you want to go anywhere, if you want to assist on the big shows, if you want to edit, you've got to learn Avid. And of course, I'm you know stubborn, but it's, okay, okay, I'll learn Avid. They said, no, you, you have to learn Avid if you if you want to work in TV here in Toronto. So I said, okay, okay. So I got, you know, my, my one month free trial and I spent a whole month just trying to figure it out. But of course you can only know software so well until you're actually working with it day to day. And then you realize you don't actually know it at all. (laughs) So my first Avid job was interesting in that it was a night assist job, which I'd never taken. And they said, do you know Avid? And I said, sure, absolutely I know Avid, which wasn't the whole truth, but I, I knew of it. I was aware of its existence. You have to say that, though. Yeah, exactly. So... I worked in this office by myself for about eight months and essentially got paid to learn Avid. Didn't screw up anything majorly, so I'm going to count that as a whim. But anytime you can get paid to learn software, I highly recommend doing that. Yeah, that, that's a that's a huge, huge benefit. Uh, so when I was learning Media Composer, 
Um, I mean, I was still pretty fresh out of college, and our server we had a we had a hack together um, before you know Avid ISIS, uh, whatever that was before, it was hacked together by our IT guy, and it went down. We lost all of our media. Oh, no. So, I mean, I didn't really quite understand, like, what MS- MXF files were and what, you know, batch importing was and, and any of that. So I, I kind of I had to learn on the fly, uh, recapturing, this back, you know, in tape days, uh, you know, all the old media and re-importing in everything for pretty much every project we had for our, uh, you know, 80-some airports uh, that, that uh, I made training videos for. Oh my god! Yeah, so that that's that's how I learned media management uh, real well with Avid. Try yeah, trial by fire. Mm-hmm. My first big time Avid show was uh, it was Hidden Camera. I've done a lot of my work in Hidden Camera, and we were doing a haunted house show that had at any given time we had forty to fifty cameras running in this haunted house, and it all we'd shoot three times a week and it all had to come back to the office, get offloaded from the CF cards and get into the system so we could get going with it. So, oh God, I couldn't tell you. We must have had 30 terabytes worth of raw footage that we were using all networked together on a terablock. And that is a good way to teach you media management when you have 30 terabytes worth of cameras. 40 to 50 cameras at any given time and it was a little on the stressful side it was a, it was a lot of media so all those cameras were they uh like time code synced oh god no. no they were no i uh count my lucky stars to have been editing on that show rather than assisting i helped put the workflow into place but i you know i still to this day thank the assistants for having to put up with that nightmare because it was there were GoPros, there were DSLRs, there were things shooting the wrong frame rate. We had, you know, I couldn't tell you how many various types of cameras. Eight to ten. Some were jam synced, quote unquote jam synced. It always seemed to drift. Some of them didn't have any camera audio, so it was all eye match. It was uh it was a big adventure in in cameras and post and so uh, you mentioned nightmares and it gave me a reason to drink (laughs) um so what is your drink of choice oh god you like Uh, wine i do i'm a red wine girl but i also don't say no to beer or scotch although i'm being boring and drinking my tea tonight and i have coffee oh i was surprised I, I I was gonna get a beer because every time I listen to Command Edit, it's uh, you know beer discussion. So I thought I was gonna be left out, but no. Uh, so I'm leaving for Japan in a couple days, Japan and South Korea, and I have like six work projects I got to get done by you know like tomorrow, and I have a couple freelance projects that I took on you know last week that I got to finish you know before I head out and. Uh, a sink full of dishes and I already know it's going to be a late night and uh, <laughs> so I'm procrastinating by recording uh, an, an episode well happy to kill time with you you should try <laughs> to find a way to just inject the coffee straight into your veins I think that works the best 
Uh, yes, uh, I think so. Uh, Kickstarter, should we do that? All right, works, yeah. works for me. So uh, you mentioned workflow uh, a couple minutes ago. Um, so today, like in your everyday editing, do you have typical workflows that you use and, and how important is that? Um, right now on the stuff that I'm doing, it's not too bad because we usually don't have too much more than, say, three cameras, maybe a couple hundred gigs worth of footage. So it's usually, it's usually pretty straightforward, you know, just a, a transcode. We can work at full resolution because we don't have usually more than two or three cameras grouped together, but... I actually just wrote a post for Avid Blogs about uh, a project that I did in September that was very workflow heavy in that we were reversioning a show that had already been broadcast on HGTV and DIY Network wanted to air their own version but with some new content and they wanted some exclusive footage, they wanted to, you know, shoot some new stand-ups. So we had to go and cut seven to ten minutes out of each 42-minute episode, which is a significant amount of time, and then build all of that back in with new footage. And uh, keeping all of that organized, because we were working from all of the the mastered video and the mixed audio stems mm -hmm. and then we just started inserting all sorts of new scenes with unmixed audio and unmixed music and so we had to really put a good organizational workflow into place and that all of our new video would go onto you know one very specific video layer and all of our new audio we would place below all of the already mixed audio so mm -hmm. that we could visually differentiate everything in these giant timelines and so our online and mixers could do it and wouldn't want to jump off a bridge when they saw you know 24 full tracks of uh of audio kicking around oh, that that 20 that crushes anything that i've ever been a part of uh do you use a uh, clip color in avid Yes, that was a big lifesaver. So any of, especially from working with the, you know, the audio stems, which if anybody's not familiar with it, that would just be uh, after all the audio has been mixed, they'll send one audio file that you just lay down in your timeline with a couple of different, you know, A1 is dialogue, you know, A2 is sound effects, music, etc. So I would take... I would color all of our dialogue and our natural sound and our VO would be one color. All of our music would be another so that, and, and then again, all of the brand new audio that we would put into the cuts, I would color separately from everything else so that visually I could immediately see, okay, these six tracks are my music. These six tracks are all of my dialogue and voiceover these eight to ten tracks are all of the new stuff so that visually anytime we needed to make changes you could quickly distinguish uh, what you needed to find which was really helpful i'm glad i'm not the only one who uh who does that 
No, clip color for life. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, so HGTV asking from a selfish standpoint. Uh, so if if there was an editor in Virginia who moved up to Toronto and said, I, I want a job I, at HGTV, how, how would he or she do that? Well, you know, I don't work for HGTV. I work for um, a company that is run by uh, the Property Brothers, mm-hmm. Drew and Jonathan Scott, who are like the kings of HGTV. So uh, because of their relationship with the network, most of our content tends to go towards HGTV. So all of the, all of the stuff that we do tends to air there on their website. We have a very close working relationship and. Uh... Okay, so John and Drew, have, have you met them? Uh, I have met Drew. We are all getting together at a com- our company Christmas party next week. I've lost track of all of my December plans already. <laughs> okay, so your your edit bay. I'm curious, uh, what does it look like? Do you have windows? Uh, I how have many a, monitors? I have a window, which is very exciting because that is not always the case. Sometimes you're just in a very dark windowless room, which mm-hmm. this time of year is depressing because you get up and it's dark and you go to work and it's dark and then you're in your dark suite and then you leave and it's dark and you know, weekends you wake up with the sun because you just want to make sure it still exists. But no, my edit bay, I do have a window. It's, uh, so I've got a two monitor setup along with a client monitor, but I find my client monitor a little on the glitchy side and I haven't had the time nor the energy to work out how to get it to work properly without bugging up my Avid. So currently, I have two monitors and a giant client monitor-sized paperweight. <laughs> uh, one of my old edit bays, I had my, my two monitors on my desk, and then um, before me they hung a, it, it was a 4 by 3 monitor, because it's how old it was, um, you know, above uh, the edit bay, and it just stopped working. So I didn't use it. So then I got a little filing cabinet off to the side where I just sat my other client monitor on. So I I, I just had monitors all around me uh, back then in my windowless edit bay. Yes, it makes you feel like a you know like a super villain in an old movie with all your all your screens. Yes. Um, so for say new editors to media composer um (laughs) is there anything that you would recommend to them maybe learning first um yeah i've always found that you can read as many books as you want or as many blogs as you want and do as many you know tutorials as you want what you do it's until you're actually in there doing the work, whether you're assisting or whether you're cutting, sometimes you don't know what it is that you need to know until somebody asks you to do it or until you have to, you know, you've reached a roadblock and you think, okay, well, how am I going to solve this? And, you know, when I got started, there wasn't quite as many uh, resources online as there are now. So you'd go to the book or you'd go to Creative Cow 
But now you hit a roadblock, you can you can look it up, and then I tend to try and fold that into my workflow. So my very my very first assistant editing job, there were six in six editors. I was the assistant. There were six editors plus another one in LA. We didn't have a network, so it was all uh, you know individual swappable drives, and. It was my very first time assisting. I was dealing with six editors, two shows. So absolute trial by fire. And, you know, I, I knew Final Cut, but you don't really get to know that software, either Final Cut or Media Composer or After Effects until somebody says, this needs to be done. And you go, okay, because there's nobody else to do it. So. I'm not sure, you know, there are obviously a ton of resources. I find tutorials very helpful. I like to, you know, follow other editors on Twitter and see what they're saying and, and read their points of view. But yeah, you can, I, I, I don't have a go-to resource for learning because I generally think it's tough to figure out what it is you need to know until somebody asks it of you. Cool. Um, so... If you were to edit your dream video, uh, would it be a documentary? Would it be a TV show? Um, what would it be? Oh, God. It would probably be a sports documentary. Sports documentary. Any sport I'm, in particular? Oh, I'm Canadian, so I have to say hockey because that's that's my lifeblood. I love hockey. I had to turn the hockey game off to record this, so that's uh, that's a big honor. There should be a big honor for you because that's you got me to turn off hockey for half an hour. Uh, so you're but, a Maple Leaves fan? Oh no 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 no! I I can't bring myself to do that. I'm a big Colorado fan. Okay, all right, all right. No, I root for I, the Cats. I can't, I can't support the Leaves. Well, that makes sense. I had a big big win last night. Yeah, uh, one nothing shutout. I, I I pay attention a little bit to hockey. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have to say I'd love to do something sports related, sports shows, sports documentary. That would be, it's outside of what I'm doing right now, but I would love to do something like that. That'd be really fun. So if anybody is listening that wants to give you a sports documentary about hockey to edit, how would they get a hold of you, or how would anybody who just wants to reach out to you and say hi get a hold of you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Rhonda C. Thane, which I, you know, R H O N D A C T H A I N. That's usually the best way to get a hold of me for all your sports documentary needs <laughs> or other ones, just and, to say hi. And so you write for Avid Blogs also. Um, so I, I've written a couple posts for them too. Um, so that that's awesome that we're we're both up there, r- rocking on Avid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got uh, I got a bunch of emails from you know my other editor friends going, oh my god, I read your article. I said, yeah, I'm famous on a very specific nerdy corner of the internet. And I'm hey, proud of it. At least, <laughs> at least you're famous. Exactly. It's what I've always dreamed of, Josh. <laughs> Okay, Rhonda, uh, thank you uh, so much for coming on the show today and uh, getting Nick out of being in the doghouse for bailing on me to go to client meetings. You're welcome, Nick.
And you're welcome, Josh, for helping you procrastinate. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you'll have to come on again sometime, either just talking to Nick or talking to us both or just talking to me again. Um, I think this was a great episode, and I'd love to have you on another time. Absolutely. Thank you, Rhonda, and thank you, Josh, for both of you pulling me out of the fire this week and uh, for filling the hot seat for our episode uh, for this week. Really do appreciate that, and it was great to hear from one of our listeners and finally get someone on the show to interview and talk to about their post-production story, the kind of work that they do, and the advice that uh, they can offer. Uh, We have a number of really good people uh, as well lined up, like Rhonda, to interview uh, for the future. Uh, We have been gathering a small group of people that we really think would add some fantastic value to the show and would have some great insights. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I just personally wanted to thank our listeners. We've enjoyed a fantastic amount of growth with the Command Edit podcast over the past few months. It's still very young, but we have gained a tremendous uh, number of listeners and people have been reaching out to us over Twitter and Facebook and email and uh, we really, really do appreciate it. It is fun for Josh and I to do this and uh, we do uh, get uh, something out of this just by by hosting it and uh, just uh, being able to talk about it. Uh, It gives us uh, purpose to to research these topics each week. It is a fun activity to do, but it is mostly for you guys. So without you, this would not happen. Uh, And we we really, really do appreciate that uh, you people have been listening, subscribing, and helping to spread the word. If you know some folk that uh, aren't listening to us and would be interested in a couple of editors who uh, yammer on, talk about beer, but also some tips on the industry... Uh, and uh, would like to hear some of these fantastic interviews we have coming up, please, please uh, do a couple of things. First, you can share this podcast with them. Tell them to tune in and subscribe. Second, it will take less than two minutes. Hop on over to our iTunes link and uh, leave us a five-star review, or less than five stars. I recommend five stars, but you can do whatever you like. Uh, and leave a few words. Any reviews that you leave will uh, be read aloud on air, and uh, we really, really do appreciate it. It helps the podcast get more exposure get seen by others and it lets us know how you listeners are finding the podcast and uh, uh, how you feel about it so uh, we really would appreciate that in the meantime you can contact us as always on uh, twitter at command edit or email us at command edit podcast at gmail.com so thanks again for Rhonda, and we will see you guys next time